0: And he said, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a program of turning your problems over to God. He said, it's a program of you taking the action that God would have you take. And then what we turn over is the outcome of the problem. We leave the outcome to God.
1: Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. from deep in the heart of Texas. Howdy there, folks. That was the voice of Ricky R. That you heard at the beginning of this episode. And more about Ricky R. I guess we can call him R.R. In just a moment. But first things first. This episode. The one you're listening to right here. Right now. At this very moment. This episode is brought to you by Mr. Jack. And Mr. Simon, Mr. Jack and Mr. Simon went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the Donate tab and they made a contribution. You know, Mr. Jack and Mr. Simon, I thank you so, so much for your generosity. This episode is for you. As usual, we are going to let all the other folks listen in, but this episode, Ricky R., is dedicated to you. I sure do appreciate you uh, chipping in there. I really do. All right. So we folks are going to have a shindig. And what do I mean by that? Well, I want you to save the date. And when I say save the date, I mean, save the date because we're having a sober speak live event. I'm excited about it. Can you tell? This is how I get when I'm excited about things. I talk just like this with kind of a sing-songy voice. Nonetheless, oh my goodness, this is right on the beginning of the episode. If you're tuning in for the first time, it it gets better, I promise you. But nonetheless, we are having an event, having a Sober Speak Live event on Friday, August 30th at 7 p.m. at the Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas. And we're so thankful to Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas for letting us host our little event there at The church. And so, anyway, I, you know, I just, I'm looking so forward to hopefully meeting uh, uh, many of you. I I realize there's going to be some of you who can't come to Frisco and would like to come, and I get all that. And I don't know, I'm trying to work out some technical ways that maybe we can let you see the event in the Facebook, uh, the the Facebook secret group, uh, maybe stream that. I've been thinking about that, but I can't promise that yet. I just got to get all those details worked out. But Mr. Jimmy D will be the speaker. If you haven't heard Jimmy D before, go back to his episodes in Sober Speak uh, and listen to them. They're, I, I don't, he's got a couple of them. He's the only one called Jimmy D. Just go back there and look at him. He's an absolutely amazing speaker. All right. Now on to this episode. It's called Ricky R., uh, the first. First episode I did with Ricky R. was episode 79, and it's entitled, I did what they told me to do in Alcoholics Anonymous. So this is the follow-up interview to that. In other words, we we covered Ricky's story in steps one and two in that first episode number episode 79 but we never touched on the remainder of the steps and i wanted to give him a chance to do that so that's what we're going to do on this episode it's called ricky r fittingly steps three through 12 so anyway ah i just have to take a little breath there so how are you doing yes you talking to you right there listening to this episode i've had a busy week and and i know many of you out there have experienced a busy week as well i was traveling all week for work and there there's the stress that goes along with that but i can tell you i would not have the privilege the privilege to travel and to be paid for doing such if it were not for alcoholics anonymous every good thing, and I mean this, every good thing that has come to me in my life has been the direct result of Alcoholics Anonymous, including my family. Now, I don't know if all of you know this, I know some of you do, but I'm married to a lady, a wonderful woman, I really married up, her name is Shannon. And I am married to Shannon. And, um, you know, I came to AA, she was there and they said, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked her out and, uh, we have been married for many years now. Um, and, uh, So when I can say every good thing has come as a direct result of Alcoholics Anonymous, including my family, I truly do mean it. The highlight of my week was returning home, really, uh, here in Texas to my home group earlier today. Uh, It's the trailer, as we call it, where we have green carpet. We have bowed ceilings, uh, creaky floors, uh, there's chipped paint on the wall, and the HVAC is way too loud and inconsistent, but that's where I experience that sense of ease and comfort that I feel as I approach the rooms. I just have a tendency to breathe easier, and I hope That is your experience as well with your home group. All right, here's an iTunes review real quick. And then I'm going to read a little bit of feedback that I got. And then we're going to go on to Ricky R. An iTunes review that we received is from Jim S. And Jim S. says... Your meeting between meetings. And he's kind of reviewing this and giving other people a review so they can see this. And he says, John M. and his guests share their experience, strength, and hope. If you think you may have a problem with alcohol, listen to some episodes and hear these honest, insightful, often humorous, and always instructional stories. If you are an AA member, consider these episodes as your meeting between meetings well thank you jim s that's a wonderful review i sure do appreciate it if you happen to be on itunes out there apparently if you give us a rating and you give us a review it helps in the search functionality but don't go out of your way right i don't want to sound like a, i don't know a salesman kind of guy it would just be nice right if it's real quick and easy uh for you and uh and you feel real good about it anyway all right so this is some communication I got this week. And Kim wrote in, we'll call this a Letter of the Week, I guess. Uh, uh, communication of the Week. Uh, oh, by the way, I've had so many different suggestions, so many good suggestions. I'm going to read another one uh, on the back end of this when we do traditional listener feedback uh, about uh, what to call listener feedback. I'm so sorry. I opened the the box here uh, and asked you guys, and I, and I haven't settled on anything yet. I may actually stick with listener feedback. I just don't know. I'm sorry. So, uh, I may have learned a little lesson here, but I, I tell you what it does prove to me you guys are listening <laughs> listening to the whole thing sometimes, and you're giving me great feedback and I love it. you know if i didn't have the listener feedback portion of our uh podcast here of all these episodes. This thing actually would be very easy to do. In other words, I would just record something and I would release it and there'd be nothing to read or nothing to talk about. But really, really, what makes this thing is all the emails and all the Facebook comments and all the Instagram comments. Uh, and it's just a communication. You know, it says we, we in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We admitted We were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe we, 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 all the way home, like the little piggy says. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that to come out, but it just did. Nonetheless, it talks about we all the time, and that's what makes this thing great, right? Um, It's all the communication, it's the community. Uh, that we all have created here and I'm so thankful for all you guys i'm I'm just I'm beside myself with joy that I have come to get to know you guys uh, uh, the ones who let me know you the ones who the ones who reach out to me um, I'm just so thankful for it anyway getting back to what I was talking about here you know once again I tell you guys I say a little prayer before I start this thing every time I never know exactly what's going to come out I swear I thought I would do this in about three minutes and here I am I don't know exactly how long I am into it well let me see oh I'm already nine minutes into it all right so let me get on so we can get you onto the good stuff, so to speak, Mr. Ricky R., and you don't have to listen to all my nonsense. Anyway, I say a prayer and uh, I never know exactly what's going to come out. That's what I was going to say earlier. All right. So Kim writes in, and Kim says, John, I'm at my holiday home in France, four and a half years sober, in the middle of step four and struggling badly with the memories that are coming up. Can't get to a meeting, so I tuned in here for the first time and it has helped me so much. Big S O letters. I really was sitting here feeling like I wanted a drink and my head was going nuts. I now feel grounded until I can get to a meeting tomorrow in the United Kingdom. Thank you. I'm grateful that you were there when I needed you using all the language I know and love for making me feel I belong again. L-I-F, Kim from Cambridgeshire, United Kingdom. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Now, I think it says L-I-F. I'm sure that's some sort of acronym that I cannot quite understand because I'm not literate in that way. Uh, but nonetheless, thank you for writing in Kim. And then I wrote back and I said, Hey Kim, you made my day. God bless you. Would you like to join our secret Facebook group? And she said that, uh, she would. And then she wrote back and she says, and that has made me feel even better. I am no longer alone. I am sitting here on my own isolating i listen to you you send me an email and you respond thank you big old namaste hands well my goodness you know we made each other's day then miss kim uh god bless you thank you for writing in all right enough of my nonsense now on to mr ricky r and we will have additional listener feedback at the end adios Okay, everybody. So we're sitting here with Mr. Ricky R. Again, uh, we had Ricky in for the first session, and basically he told most of his story leading up getting into Alcoholics Anonymous. We went through steps one and two. I promised to have Ricky back in, and now we're going to go through some other topics, and we are also going to go through steps three through 12. So once again, Mr. Ricky, will you go ahead and introduce yourself, give your sobriety date, and give your home group, just in case people didn't catch the first episode. Well,
0: I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is August 20th, 1990. My home group is the Jacksonville Fellowship Recovery Group in Jacksonville, Texas.
1: In Jacksonville, Texas. And once again, Jacksonville is where in Texas? 30 miles south of Tyler. All right. Okay. So last time, well, we covered a lot of topics, but one thing we did not end up covering uh, that I wanted to kind of circle back around on. I know that you were, you have been married now for 33 years. Your wife. Uh, got to see the first four and a half years I believe of your well the first four and a half years of your marriage was uh, the the end of your drinking career as they call it right. and so talk a little bit about your marriage before and after that period and what she went through I'm, I'm cur- well I don't want you to tell all her story but i'm I'm sure she had some sort of resentment against it most do. oh yeah
0: uh you know we, we were pretty happy starting out and uh but you know quickly it went downhill Uh we both drank and my wife could stay with me drink for drink and she got pregnant and that was over with for her and she wanted it to be over with for me but the way I looked at that I wasn't the one carrying the baby you know so I continued to drink and Anyway, it's you know just a typical alcoholism story, uh, you know. It just like my alcoholism; it always gets worse, never gets better. And uh, and we had a daughter, and she was the apple of my eye. And so my wife had had enough, and she, her and my daughter left, and we were separated for oh a month or so. I got an Alcoholics Anonymous and. I guess two months after I got an alcoholics anomalous, uh, she wanted to go back together.
1: So I'm just curious there. Does she realize at the time that you were sober? What changed her heart, if you will? She
0: saw the change in me. She, she, she saw that uh, something had happened that I was not the same guy that I was when I was not drinking before.
1: Well, that's significant.
0: Yeah, right. And, uh, I was not obsessed with her anymore. You know, prior to that, I was obsessed with her. I wanted her back and all that.
1: And that's a good lesson for uh, all of us out there, right? Uh, Let them go, right? If it's supposed to work out, if you're out there and you're obsessing on somebody, uh, that usually doesn't work out too well.
0: No, and it wasn't working out good at all. But, you know, I surrendered. uh, And it was when I did the third step. and And I knew that, when I did the third step, that if I did what God wanted me to do, if I never saw my wife and daughter ever again the rest of my life, I could be happy okay. if I did what God wanted me to do.
1: That's very interesting. So that is exactly what it says in that prayer, right? God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt, right? So talk about that line, because that's, that's a big part of what you were doing when you were there, right?
0: Yeah, it was. And uh, the 12 and 12 helped me a lot. Uh, I don't use the 12 and 12 when I'm sponsoring someone early on. I try to take them through the big book, but I wanted some kind of experience, you know, in in step three and nothing was happening. And I was saying the third step prayer and I was saying my own prayers. And and so I was reading the 12 and 12 in the third step and talked about the key of willingness. Uh, You know, one of those old ideas I had was that turn your life over to God and Everything is brand new. The whole life's gone. and uh, You got a halo over your head? Oh, yeah. But the, the bill collector still wanted their money. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, the ex-wife was, still wanted the child support. The right. Present wife still wanted to have nothing to do with me. But I thought God did it all. I didn't realize. It. That's when I learned this is a program of, of action. And it's not God doing the action. It's me doing the action, and he takes care of the outcome. And my sponsor told me, he said, This program really isn't for you. It's for you to carry to someone else. So when we did step three
1: That's well put right there. Say that again. Your sponsor said yeah, what now?
0: He said he said the program's really not for you. It's for you to take to someone else.
1: Well put. I like so
0: that. So when we're in step three, it, it says in, in the third step, prayer, take away my difficulties and I said, Well, that's for me right there. It says, take away my difficulties. And he said, keep reading. <laughs> it says, so victory over them may bear witness to those I would help with thy power, thy love, and that way of life. Yeah, so so yeah, that's yeah. why my difficulty is going to be taken away It's where I can show you or I can show you know, someone else. It's not where, where Ricky can have a better life. It's for me to share with someone else.
1: So talk then a little bit more about your your, your marriage and, and the recovery and, and what happened there. I'm, I'm just curious about that arena.
0: Well, I was sober two and a half years, and my marriage was worse than it was when I drank. And she still had lots of resentment. I had a lot of resentment. We were crisis junkies. Uh, if there wasn't a crisis going on, just you know, hang around. There would be. And... I began to think that, you know, we're just not compatible, you know, and she thought the same thing. And, uh, we had some real blow ups, you know, and here I was sober going to two meetings a day in AA and two and a half years sober, I changed sponsors. And I told this sponsor, I've, you know, i got a problem with my marriage. And, uh, I said, it's really bad. He said, well, what have you done about it? And I said, well, uh, some people in AA told me to turn it over to God. And he said, God didn't want it, did he? And I said, I guess not, because it's gotten worse since I turned it over to him. (laughs) And he said, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a program of turning your problems over to God. He said, it's a program of you taking the action that God would have you take. And then what we turn over is the outcome of the problem. We leave the outcome to God. He said, God wants you to do something in your marriage. He said, if you want to turn something over to God, when you leave my house, go write $25,000 worth of hot checks and then turn them over to God and see what happens. (laughs) He said, the sheriff will turn them over. uh, They'll turn them over to the sheriff and you'll be in jail.
1: That's right.
0: So he asked me, he said, what do you do to contribute in your home? And I said, well, I'll bring a paycheck home. He said, no. He said, what do you do to contribute in your home? And I I didn't understand what he was talking about. And he said, uh, what do you do when you get home in the evenings? And I said, well, I I like to watch Discovery Channel and ESPN and sit in my recliner. And he said, what does she do? And, well, by now we've got a a new baby also. I call him my sobriety baby. Uh, She's mopping, sweeping, washing clothes, bathing kids, cooking supper, and I'm a little annoyed because I'm not getting this special treatment because I'm not drinking today. And... And this sponsor didn't share much with me. He, he told, he said, okay, I'll tell you what I want you to do. You go home and you do the dishes. You start washing clothes. You start bathing kids. And he said, the biggest lie you hear in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I can't change anyone but myself. And he said, you can change anybody by the way you treat them. Mm-hmm. He said, the truth is, he said, you can't change yourself. He said, if you if you would if you could, you would have done it and not ever come to Alcoholics Anonymous. But he said, You do these things in your home and expect absolutely nothing in return, and God'll change you, and that will change your wife, I promise you. And my marriage did a 180 in less than a week. Really? It was incredible. Just by, you know, taking the action, you know, leaving the
1: outcome to God. Just by being of service.
0: Right, exactly. You know, somebody asked us, we were throwing a big 30th uh, anniversary party, and one of the younger guys asked me, he said, what's the secret to being married 30 years? And I said, I'll tell you, the biggest thing going for us is that we expect absolutely nothing from the other one. I don't expect clean clothes or food on the table or a clean house. And she doesn't expect the trash to be taken out, the yard mowed, or, or anything to be fixed. And that's a huge relief off of both of us when you don't have those expectations of the other one.
1: Very interesting. And just out of curiosity, did she ever find Al-Anon? Is that her thing? She did. I was, I was actually
0: sponsoring one of her schoolmates who was a really nice guy, and he, he died of alcoholism. He was bleeding from every orifice of his body, and they put him on the helicopter, flew him to Tyler, and they pronounced him dead, and he was 31 when he died. And it scared my wife and, uh, she started going back to al and I've give al as much credit for our marriage as I do Alcoholics Anonymous because
1: it, it really helped. All right. So let's get back to the steps here then. So we talked, uh, during our last time together, we talked about steps one and two, uh, That thumbnail sketch. Right. (laughs) And then today we've talked a little bit about step three. Anything else you want to say about step three before we go on to step four?
0: No, other than, you know, I had done the first three steps in church, basically. You know, I knew without God I was nothing and go down the aisle and rededicate or get saved or whatever and feel great. And that good feeling just kind of dwindled away. And then I find out on the top of page... Uh, 64 why because it talks about it says though our decision it's talking about the de- you know made a decision though our decision uh, was a vital and crucial step it could have little permanent effect unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us and i never knew that i had things within me blocking god out of my life even though i wanted god in my life So that's where step four came in, and it gave me, my sponsor said, there's two time references on when to do that. It says next or at once. So either way you want to look at it. So so he got me on the fourth step, and he gave me a date that we were going to do my fifth step, which was about four weeks away. And he said, you have your inventory ready to do your fifth step on this date or get another sponsor. I mean, that's, that's just the way it was. I did an inventory. I listed people, institutions, or principles with which I was angry.
1: So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Uh, sometimes people have questions about that. I can always tell when going through something like this with the new sponsee, they go, what are people, institutions, or principles? What does that mean?
0: People is pretty self-explanatory, you know. Uh, usually families right there at the top. If you're married, it's usually your wife that's at the top of the list. Uh, institutions could be... Uh, federal government, IRS, county law, whatever principles could be some principle that you drew up here and, you know, the early bird gets the worm. Honesty
1: is the best policy.
0: Yeah, just, you know, uh, things like that. But what I didn't understand about and what I think a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that are new don't understand when we read that about uh, made a searching and fearless moral inventory. I've heard a lot of people talk about that they started writing down all the bad things they did. That's not what the, the inventory is about. You know, I heard uh, Bill C. from North Carolina that was at our state convention in June. He said one of the best things I ever heard. And, you know, he said, uh, we know what we've done wrong. The fourth step is not to list the things we've done wrong. It's an exercise to find out what is wrong. That's... That's what I needed to know what is wrong with me. Mm. And by listing those resentments and looking at the cause and what area of my life was affected, and so on, and then looking you know for what was my mistake in the deal, when I saw my mistake, the resentments just started lifting. This surprised me. I just I looked for this the other day. We talk about forgiveness. And I know it mentions something about forgiveness in the 12 and 12. You'll never see in the first 164 pages anything about us forgiving anyone.
1: That's int- I've never really thought
0: about that. I hadn't either, but I was looking for it. And it's a good thing because resentful people like me would have gotten Alcoholics Anonymous and seen, some, seen something about forgiveness. And I would have gone to my ex-wife and said, you know, before I did an inventory— And said, look, I forgive you for being such a sorry wife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So maybe God kept that out of there. Right. But we have a better way to deal with that than forgiveness. And what it tells us in there, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done. See, if I'm in a position where I think I may need to forgive you, I'm looking at a wrong you've done. So what it talks about in the big book is putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done. We resolutely look for our own mistakes. So when I I can see my part, my mistake or whatever, then that gets the blame off you, you know, and it goes right down the list. I mean, it cleared those resentments up all the way down to to the one that I could not find my mistake, and it was at my dad. You know, he drunk all the time. He, He never went to my ball games, and he beat my mother, and he did this and that. And there were some well-meaning people in AA who said, well, that was when you were young, you know, and uh, you had no, no fault in that. But I realized one day what my part was. Once again, I was playing God. He didn't live like I thought he should. And when I realized what my part was in that resentment, the resentment was gone. I went to the cemetery. I don't know what I said. Had, just had a talk with him and now when people ask me about my dad i'll tell you how smart he was and how funny he was and you know i, I don't think about the the bad part of, of the alcoholism i think about the good stuff about him and i mean that's a huge transformation right there
1: same father same son something changed exactly and it was working those steps okay so that's the fourth step uh Uh, Let's talk then about your first fifth step. Uh, Not only your first fifth step, but what do you uh, like to teach other people when you're taking guys through the steps about the fifth step?
0: You know, the fourth step is not a life story, you know. Step five is when we come out with some of those things. It talks about, you know, every dark cranny of the past, and uh, we expose that stuff, we get that out. Those secrets that I was never going to tell anyone, I remember exactly the chair I was sitting in, and I still did not want to do that fifth step. But, you know, it tells us in the big book about the fifth step, the best reason is that we may not overcome drinking.
1: So let's, let's I, think the, I think the point needs to be made there. So why don't you say that again? Yeah. If we don't do the fifth step, what? We may not overcome drinking. And there's a lot of people, as you know, that get stuck on that fifth step right uh, usually they actually get stuck on the fourth step because they're thinking about About the the fifth step step and uh it kind of all wraps together there but all right i interrupted you go ahead
0: i've heard you know lots of fifth steps and you know uh you almost yawn because it's uh we all think and do the same stuff you know and
1: uh everybody thinks their, their stuff is original
0: oh yeah we feel like a you know, a guy with three years or something, you know. when uh, And I had the sponsor I had, I was really afraid to do it with him because he's a upstanding citizen of the community. Uh, you'll never meet a nicer man in or out of AA. You know, just a great guy. He, I couldn't imagine him drinking. I, you just see the guy and you think, this guy is an alcoholic. <laughs> and, and I had to tell those secrets to him. And I shared them with him. He shared the same thing with me. He had done, you know, the same things, you know. Anyway, I went through my inventory with that sponsor. We had, like it says, we had a long talk, and at the end of it, I went to page 75 and and went over the, it says, the first five proposals, which are the first five steps, and made sure there was nothing that I had left undone that that I should have done. And, uh, but like I tell people, uh, The biggest thing I got out of step five was relief that I had finally done it. It's like, thank God that's done. I did it, you know. But it gave me a feeling like I've heard people say, I felt like a real member of Alcoholics Anonymous and not a visitor anymore when I did my fifth step.
1: Like you had earned your seat. And even though we've all earned our seat anyway, it does. It makes you feel like uh, and I was the same way. It made me feel like I was... Part of, if you will. Right. Okay, we're going to take a little break here and uh, we'll be continuing our conversation with Mr. Ricky in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the web at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find approximately uh, 80 or so other uh, episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the Listener, Soberspeak is a self-supporting organization. Through our, through our own contributions, we are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Do not wish to engage in any uh, controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Ricky All right, so we just got through with talking about the fifth step, right? Mm -hmm. So now we want to talk a little bit about the sixth and seventh step. So uh, maybe I shouldn't say those both together, but everybody has a tendency to do that. You know what I'm saying, though. The sixth step and the seventh step, they kind of sort of mm, walk hand in hand.
0: Uh, Six and seven in the big book is, you know, two paragraphs. And I personally believe that's just exactly how they should be i read the six and seven and the 12 and 12 over and over and over and spent a lot of time on it what i want god to remove from me is just what i found in step in my fourth step the things i shared with my fifth step and i was willing in step six said the prayer in step seven and nothing happened and i was in a meeting thank god actually the man that, that i that sponsored me, uh, I thought maybe I'd done something wrong and, you know, cause I'd gotten some kind of something out of each one of the steps, you know, and and six and seven, nothing. And, but I heard him say in a meeting that he was a little confused about six and seven cause he did those. And it's like, you know, nothing had changed since step five, but he said he found that the defects of character were removed when he was out making amends. And when he was practicing, practicing step 12 in his life he said when i got my arm around a new drunk and i'm trying to do whatever i can to help him expecting nothing in return it's as if those character defects do not exist that's how i felt if, if i'm trying to give of myself to whoever alcoholic my wife whoever expecting nothing in return those character defects are way down there they're uh they're not rearing their heads you know if i'm thinking of others
1: and like you said, it's uh, it's two little short paragraphs in the big book. Um, and it, it to me, it was like I did five and then I did six and seven because it says, you know, go home, put the book on the shelf, take it down. Or it doesn't say put it on the shelf, but take the book down from the shelf. You, you know, you reflect on it for an hour. Those those last, uh, uh, d- do we skimp on any of the uh, previous right. steps? And it was like, wow, that's a big check mark right there. I just got through three steps very quickly, and I did not expect that. But also, like you said, it was almost a little like I didn't know exactly how to digest all that because there it was, and I was through with it, um, but now what? And did I really do step six and seven? So. Uh, As you know, in the 12 and 12, it goes into those in much more detail. Right.
0: And something that uh, I used to say a lot, you'll never hear me say it again, is I'm working on this defect. I'm not working on any of my defects. I worked on my defects before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, It plainly says that God removes them. You know, I don't remove them. You know, like the big book talks about, if we've got a problem with lust, you know, doesn't say we work on it, and how would you work on it? It says we throw ourselves the harder into helping someone else. What I do is I stop doing that, just like alcohol. I stop doing that. I get busy with someone else, seeing what I can do for someone else, and look up and the character defect is gone, or it's not what it used to be.
1: What about humility? Let's talk about humility. (laughs) just a little bit um what's your you know everyone has their definition of not everyone but you know you hear a lot of people talk about a definition of humility what do you want to say about that
0: i like the definition in the 12 and 12 where it uh talks about a what a a clear recognition of i'm paraphrasing of who and what we are followed by a sincere effort to become what we could you know i'm not the most humble guy in alcoholics anonymous uh people that know me I'll tell you that <laughs> but I have I have a lot, a lot of fun with it and uh probably the the if there's any humility in me it is it is that I'm 28 years sober and one drink of alcohol everything will come crashing down in my life I am an alcoholic I I still need alcoholics anonymous Gary says I still need AA so <laughs> you know I'm just I'm just another small fish in the big sea. Uh,
1: yeah, I say I'm just another bozo on the bus, right? Just like the rest of us.
0: You know, I, I used to think humility was some kind of uh, meek type weakness or whatever, you know. You know, the, uh, I heard the one, the one that said that uh, he wasn't working on anything either. Was Tom Ivester, probably the most humble man I've ever met, you know, great human being. But uh, from all I gather from listening to him, he spent uh, what time that, that uh, every minute he could trying to serve others. You know, I'll tell you this, I don't do that near like he does. That's, uh, that's what I should be doing.
1: Okay, let's move on to steps eight and nine then. So let's talk about the amends. You've already talked about the amends and forgiveness a little bit there. Anything else you want to add in terms of uh, uh, steps eight and nine? My sponsor said that uh,
0: God's not going to put them in my path. It plainly says in the, in the book, I believe eight times, that we go out and find them to make the amends. I wanted to uh, get out of making amends to my ex-wife, and I came up with the deal that, oh, well, that would cause more harm if I opened that up, you know. He said, you're in the outcome. That's God's business, not yours. And, I, and my amends list, too. When I was doing step five, my sponsor was over there. I thought he was drawing stick men or something, you know, he was over there scribbling. Well, what he was doing, he was coming up with my amends list, which would have was different than the list I would have come up with. And, <laughs> and But if I could tell anyone that hasn't done amends, if I could give them one thing to, to go by, that is do not make an amends without first talking to your sponsor. And my sponsor went through each amends with me on what I was going to say and everything what I was going to do. And uh, But, you know, I got with my ex-wife, made amends to her. Uh, she and I are friends today, and I promise you, uh, we hated each other at one time. Ex-employer, uh, I actually flipped his truck when I worked for him. I was drunk. I had to go see him, make that amends, pay him back. Theft. My sponsor had me do a theft inventory. <laughs> uh,
1: now, but, you don't hear about this stuff in church, do you? No, like no, I've, you don't. I've never been sitting in a Sunday school class <laughs> yeah. hearing somebody say, well you, know, well, you know, I was working on my theft inventory the other day.
0: Yeah, that's one of those things I thought God was just going to sweep under the rug, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, it's a silly, funny story, but uh, when I lived in Grand Isle, Louisiana, I liked to fish and I didn't have any money, and I was hanging my lures up on those jetties and losing them, and there was a store there, and I'd go steal lures to go fishing, and uh, I had that on my theft list, and I told my sponsor, I said, you know, the store's not there anymore. I don't know, you know, how to get a hold of anybody or whatever, and he said, well, he said, tell you what, he said, you go uh, buy some fishing lures and put them in your car, and when you're Driving around East Texas, and you see someone fishing. He said, preferably an older man or woman. You pull in, and he said, you give them those lures. So, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: when you give the lures out, are you telling them that you're working your way through Alcoholics Anonymous amends, or do you just leave it at that?
0: Well, I, I had I got a tackle box, some lures, and different stuff, and I kind of forgot about it. It was in the trunk of my car, and I was going to Lufkin one evening, and I had a resentment at my wife. Cause I was supposed to speak in Lufkin and she was late getting home. And anyway, uh, and on the way to Lufkin, i you know, I'm full of resentment and I'm, I keep thinking, you know, you can't, cannot transmit something you don't have. And I didn't have anything. <laughs> and so I'm looking for some place, you know, where somebody might be fishing. Well, there's not a place to fish between where I live and Lufkin. Just before I got to Lufkin, I saw a pickup and a boat pull in at a convenience store. So I pull over there and I got the lures out. And uh, there was a, a man way up in his seventies, uh, maybe eighty, and, and I got to I walked over to him with the tackle box, and I said, "Are you going fishing?" And he said, "He said no, I've already been." And I said, "Well, here, take this with you next time you go. Maybe it'll help you catch something." Mm-hmm. He said, "What's this about?" Well, then I had to tell him. <laughs> and the longer I talked, the harder it was for me to talk, and I was getting choked up and. Anyway, I, I, he said, well, okay, and I got in the car and left, and he's standing there like, you know, what just what happened? What just happened? <laughs> and, but I got to the group that night in Lufkin, and I've I probably never been on fire like I was that night ever. And, but it was, you know, taking those simple, uh, what I thought stupid actions, you know, that my sponsor had me take. But by that point, I didn't care how bizarre it sounded. Taking the actions he told me to take changed my life so much that I, what you tell me whatever to do, I'll go do it.
1: Yeah, it's just those little things, right? Right, and only we know inside where we've been, where we where we've done wrong, what happens inside when we actually take those small actions and make those amends. Uh, that's why that amends process is so important, so powerful, and powerful. Yeah good way to put it all right so let's go on to 10 11 and 12 uh step 10 uh continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it
0: step 10 uh as it talks about in the big book is nothing more than steps four through nine uh you know it says continue to watch for uh selfishness dishonest, dishonesty resentment and fear that's what i did in step four And when these crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. That's step six and seven. We discuss them with someone quickly. That's step five. And then we make amends if we've harmed anyone. Step nine. And then the kicker, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help.
1: It always goes back to that,
0: doesn't it? It always does. And if, you know, like it says on 20, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help, you know, meet their needs. The more I focus on trying to help someone else, the less help I need. You know, I'm not one of these that you hear stuff coming. AA, it comes and goes, and you know, hopefully it's going now. But there for a while, you would have thought that our, the cause of our alcoholism was that we didn't love ourselves enough. Right. <laughs> and, uh,
1: I, I don't need to
0: spend any time loving myself because that centers on self. And I don't need to be self-centered, you know. I need, I need to forget myself, as it talks about in uh, Saint Francis' prayer. But that's ten and uh eleven. Uh, my prayers are so short. Uh, you know, I'll pray for people, and I know some people that are uh, potentially deadly health problems and stuff. You know, and or I'll pray for alcoholics. But it's always that you know, if it be your will, God. But most of my prayer life is uh, nothing but thank you. There's nothing I ask for. There's nothing, man. Just uh, show me what to do. Give me the power to do it, and I'll do it. You know, it's uh, you know, just keep it simple. And then, you know, twelve is just carrying just what I've gone through. to You know, to another alcoholic and
1: uh, like this right here.
0: Yeah, and uh, you you're know,
1: carrying to, the message
0: to see the light come on. Uh, an alcoholic that is down and out and hopeless and and. And like the book says, and to see them help others, this is an experience you must not miss. I mean, it's it's uh, incredible. And uh, I love this deal. It's I mean, it's tailor-made for someone like me. I uh, I spend a lot of time in Alcoholics Anonymous. And,
1: uh, yeah, I always tell people that, you know, there are other ways to get sober, right? Um, right. And uh, God bless them if they can get sober. Uh, sure. But I found... My tribe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's why we do this podcast, because uh, I believe in it so much. And I want other people to be exposed to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, because I know what it did for people like me, and I know what it's done for people like you. Right. And there are millions all over the world.
0: Um, I mean, just the, the things that that a lot of people take for granted that still today, I get tears in my eyes, you know, like when... You know when i coached my boys in baseball i'm thinking man i almost missed this you know i've got a uh, uh my newest grandkid uh, he just started talking and my son who's sober tw- uh he's 27 he's been sober almost six years oh great his son started talking and they and they sent a video and they said say daddy papa say mama off. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you know stuff like that that uh that i almost missed i would have missed all that you know oh god
1: bless you well this has been one heck of a conversation uh both episodes we've been able to spend together here mr ricky i do appreciate it is there anything that you want to to add to the person out there who may be trying to get sober, but they just can't either number one, make it into the rooms because they're too scared or number two, they're, they've made it into the rooms and they're just having a hard time getting some traction.
0: You know, I don't, I don't really know people get to, to the program in different ways. Some people die and never get there. Uh, but you know, I had to, I was I had a lot of fear about going to AA just I was so full of fear without drinking anyway but the fear of taking a drink became bigger than the fear of going to AA and then if you're in AA and having trouble find that sponsor you can always change sponsors uh but you know my advice would be just the the like I said the thought I came up with on my own which I couldn't believe I thought of it was I will do anything they suggest I do. With that frame of mind, uh, that helped me as much as anything.
1: Thank you so much, Ricky. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me, John. Yeah, God bless you. I'm glad you were able to get over here. And uh, I guess we'll give a little shout out to Mr. Gary Kay. Hey, Gary. (laughs) Say thank you, Gary, for introducing me to Ricky. All right, so I'm going to read uh, as I uh, usually do. Sometimes I forget this, but I'm going to read from page 164 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous to close this out. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults, just like Ricky was talking about earlier, to Him, to God, and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past just like Ricky was talking about earlier. If you do those simple things, you can clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you folks and keep you until then. Once again, Ricky R., thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mr. Ricky R., for all your words of wisdom. It sure was appreciated. It sure is appreciated. And uh, if there's anybody out there who wants to send me some comments regarding either Ricky or any of the other guests that we have had on Soberspeak, or you just want to reach out in general and not talk about one of the speakers, you're more than welcome to do such. Send me an email to johnjohn at soberspeak.com. Or if you want to join the secret Facebook group that we have set up, send me your email associated to your uh, Facebook account to John, G-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. All right, now on to listener feedback. So this first uh, bit of feedback is from somebody that that posted inside the secret Facebook group. And I'm not going to read a name here just to be on the safe side, but it says, Hey, everyone, I'm new to the group and I'm having a rough time and don't have a meeting to go to until seven o'clock tonight. I'm two months sober, and I live in a tiny town in Wyoming where our meetings are about seven people. I had the opportunity to go to a speaker meeting two hours away with my sponsor last night. When I got home, my husband was very mad. He had already told me I could go, but I guess I didn't text him enough, so he was upset. In my drinking days, I would have to go to the bar and not be faithful. So I understand that my past actions have consequences that I have to live with now. But it's just getting really hard to constantly fight with him about me going to a meeting. We have two boys who are one and two and he gets frustrated and he sees that i have he gets frustrated that he has to watch them while i go to a meeting i just don't know what to do because i'm trying to do the right thing but nothing i do seems to be the right thing i could use some input here i really would appreciate it thanks well She, it is a she, she got some responses. I mean, more than you could imagine. And I mean that in a very positive way. Some people were very uh, encouraging. Some people gave very practical advice. Uh, Everyone was very encouraging, I should say. But uh, to me, it was just overwhelming with the response that she received. There was even one gentleman who offered to chip in to get her some babysitters so her husband didn't have to watch the children. And uh, there was a whole conversation that went back and forth. And uh, so... um, and and other people were telling her about the three sides of the triangle. That was Angela. Um, uh, as you can imagine, several people recommended uh, Al-Anon. Uh, some people sent her the, the meeting schedules for in the area. I mean, it was just a lot of people really wanting to be helpful. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is here. Uh, I'm trusting this woman will be able to work it out. Um, not by herself, but she'll be able to work it out with both her family and other members in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, unfortunately, this is all too common a scenario where you see one person trying to sober up and it really upset the apple cart because it's a different way of life. And the these spouses and the family and even the extended family members have to adjust accordingly. But God bless you. uh, And uh, I'm so glad you were vulnerable enough to share that within the Facebook group. All right. Tanya posts also on Facebook and she says, hello, fellow followers. I have to share with you that I have found a group that feels like I am at home, I am so happy to have a sponsor too. I realized I needed my God to guide me on where to go. I walked in the door and overheard a great conversation and felt relaxed, safe and and welcome. I'm ready to work the steps. I'm not afraid anymore. I hope you're having a blessed day. So Tanya was somebody who had struggled about going into the rooms of AA, and uh, she got in and found out that it's not that scary after all. All right, congratulations, Tanya. Ron writes in. He says, Hello, John. My name is Ron L. I am 57 years old, and we'll have... My 33rd anniversary on July 6th. That's great, Ron. Coming right around the corner for your 33rd anniversary. He says, I am a bit of an AA contrarian. Hey, I like contrarian views, Ron. I see certain things very clearly, and it allows me to view this journey simply. Mostly we are loaded with self-centered fear, and the journey in sobriety is to remove the fear which allows us to be of service. I am not a big book study person. The basic principles of the program are to surrender and our our surrender and acceptance which allows us to do the inventory the confession and oh then confession and begin the process of restitution this leads to self-awareness which leads to be able to see outside of ourselves for the first time i found sober speak through the apple podcast app keep up the good work well thank you ron i appreciate you writing in and hey something's working for you you got 33 years there fantastic and congratulations stacy t writes in and she says okay so here's another suggestion she says hey john m maybe another suggestion for listener feedback could be sober speaks back or sober thoughts out loud sober thoughts ha ha once again stacy t from ventura I have a few wonderful podcasts now to listen to. I love it. I'm not alone. Give your sweet, Family love from all of us out here in Ventura, California. We are lucky to have all of you in our lives. And these big smiley faces and Stacy T. All right. Thank you, Stacy T for writing in and I appreciate it. And I have added that to the list, Miss Stacey T. All right. Dave writes in, Dave says, John, I listened to Laura to the Laura R podcast today. In, just in case you don't know, Laura R was the one right before this episode that you're listening to today. Terrific exclamation point! Your pronouncing the your pronouncing of the name Dawn had me rolling with laughter. Oh yes, I remember that from last week, Mister Dave. My wife have had a long standing a debate on this very issue. She insists that I pronounce it incorrectly because I say it like don don rolling on the floor what now what is that r o t f l m a o I think that's rolling on the floor laughing Mm, oh, my oh, backside off, I believe is what that is. All right. Blessings, Dave. <laughs> so you and your wife have had a disagreement on how to say the word Dawn. Uh, last week I was talking about, ah, I'm not going to go back to the whole thing. Just some, some folks in some areas of the country, we'll call it, we'll say the name Dawn versus Dawn. Anyway, Catherine writes in, and first of all, Catherine has... Has a little uh, saying here on the front of her email, and it says, Every life has its uniform. AA has forever changed mine to a quote Cinderella unquote fairy tale version. Hmm, I like that. Well put, Miss Catherine. All right, so, so she says, Miss Catherine says, Thanks to the Sober Speak podcast, you have reshaped my road of happy destiny. Ah, Words are all that we, the audience and listeners, can give back to you as our recognition of appreciation for the, quote, on-air podcast therapy. (laughs) Well, I've never thought about it that way before. Anyway, she says, our words can be shared globally with you as the show's host John M. On the, sh- on the Sober Speak podcast, much like Kelsey Grammer on the TV show Frasier. When inviting the audience to share stories on his radio show, he opened by saying, I have a listener who wants to say something. And then he would comment, speak to me, John. I hope you were seeing the similarity and beauty of that tagline speak to me on sober speak email messenger facebook instagram your comments and stories can be shared with all of the audience just leave me on the just leave me your message on the quote speak to me unquote portion of the show ta da that's it All that's, that's what I, that's what I've got as a suggestion to replace listener feedback as the title of your show. Speak to me is exactly what you want people to do. Speak to you as one-on-one regardless of the vehicle they are using to deliver their thoughts and communication. So try it out. It's a good, it's got a great relationship with the quote speak and sober speak already. Hope you get really hyped with the name as much as I have. Thanks for listening, Frazier. I mean, John M. Triple exclamation point. (laughs) I still can't express my gratitude adequately enough for the impact that your podcast show Delivers all I've got is this. Thank you. Speaking via the Speak to Me Message Center, Catherine K. Thank you so much, Catherine. I am gonna throw that into the I don't know what do you what do you call that a uh, a, a box? Uh, uh, oh, into the hat where people will draw out particular names. No, it's not a hat because it's not a drawing. But I will put it into the selection process. Uh, And I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. Uh, you, You guys are great sending in all these things. I appreciate it. All right. Ken writes in and he says, John, Cassandra and team from Columbus, Ohio. I greatly enjoy the program format and all the interviewees. Thanks for all your hard work and offering a convenient tool to learn and grow from. My sobriety date is August 12th, 2018. I'm 47, blessed to have a severe case of, quote, the yets unquote. Long story short, went out almost a day, went almost a day without a drink, had a seizure as the result of alcohol withdrawal and ended up in the hospital for eight days. I'd been in an everyday heavy drinker for years, at this low point, after years of having the internal dialogue that I had a problem with, and talking to myself, and to passing along, do I have a drinking problem? Quizzes or passing online? Do I have a do I have a drinking problem? Quizzes? I knew I had to do something. The past ten months have been a remarkable journey getting to know myself making amends with friends and loved ones and the spiritual growth that has been amazing in the first few months of sobriety when not at work or meeting i'd listen i did a lot of searching for aa speakers and aa related material some good foundation pieces for me were father martin and many of the old time speakers available in audio format on youtube Clancy, Sheeran, B, just to name a couple. I was. It was so important for me in the beginning to hear stories of others and understand I was not alone and to learn about the program and steps. I then ventured into podcasts and listened to to a gentleman out of the Church of Christ in New Zealand. One day, I put in the perfect search terms and into my podcast and, in, and into my iPhone podcast and I landed on Sober Speak. <laughs> Over the last few months, I have binged on your program and I am up to date on all your episodes and am also listening to podcasts from a guest when you have been on other people's shows. I listen on the way to work At work on the way home and when I work out, I find there is always a gym in the stories. I do attend four to six meetings a week. I volunteer to chair, clean up, offer rides, and I am a co-secretary in one group. I have a sponsor whom I listen to and have great admiration and respect for. Have completed my steps and my life is getting better, much better. It's a simple program and a good way to live life. I did want I did want to share my experience on my first meeting. Oh my god, remarkable. People were so welcoming and friendly. I got a big book and a bunch of numbers after hearing stories on that first night. I knew I was in the right place. Good luck with your podcast and all your future endeavors. You are blessed to be able to reach as many people as you do and do something that you enjoy and are passionate about. I refer your podcast to others frequently. I do have one important person who struggles with the spiritual aspect of the program, and I referred him to your guest who spoke about his podcast I look forward to hearing your next episode, Never Stop Laughing or Telling the Silly Jokes, regardless, and God bless Ken. Well, Ken, you know... You are right. I do feel blessed to be able to reach out to as many people as I do. I so appreciate you writing in and you keep on keeping on as we always say, keep coming back. And by the, by the way, folks, when you hear me say, keep coming back, I'm not necessarily, in fact, I'm not talking about keep coming back to the podcast, even though I I appreciate that. I'm saying keep coming back to whatever individual 12 step program that you are attending, Michelle writes in and she says, John, I am from Roselle, Illinois. It's about 25 miles west of Chicago. And I recently discovered your podcast and I have been listening while in the car. I've got something out of all the speakers that I have listened to thus far. I have been sober since May 21st of 2015 and I am extremely active within the fellowship, I was told at the beginning that service will keep you sober, and I truly believe that. Well, I believe that too, Miss Michelle. I was told that, oops, uh, thank you for practicing Step 12 on a weekly basis. If I am ever in the area, I would love to hit a meeting at, quote, the trailer, <laughs> She's heard me and the other guests talking about where we go to meetings. Keep up the great work and sharing the message blessings, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, if you were ever near the trailer or if any of you are ever near the trailer, um, we would love for you to stop in and visit our little uh, group there. Uh, we're very proud of it. All right, Suzanne writes in and she says... Oh, Susanna, oh, won't you come to Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Now, that was me going off script. Suzanne said nothing like that. And her name is not Susanna. That is just me with a song in my head. And every once in a while, I go, okay, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't let it out. Oh, there it goes. Now, see, I could go back and edit that out. Or I could start the whole thing over again, but I just don't want to take the time to do all that. Believe it or not, I do have a life. Nonetheless, Suzanne writes in and she says, Hi, John, I am 27 years old and I currently live in Colleen, Texas. I was 26 when I walked into the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous and it absolutely saved my life. I struggled a lot with accepting myself, for who I truly was, and as a result of that, I would go out and drink as a way to fit in with others around me. That had been something I struggled with, which, by the way, worked for a very little bit, but those same issues arose again, and I would begin to drink. Since last year, I have found freedom in just being myself and finding peace and acceptance in who I am working from the inside out. And I am realizing I don't need anyone other than myself and God, which is my higher power to help with my character defects. I came across your podcast on Spotify one morning as I was driving to work. It is my one hour time I have found it very useful where I can listen to sermons, your podcast, and just reflect on everything in my life. I am so blessed and grateful to have come across your podcast. Thank you for your service to others. You're doing a great thing, Suzanne. Well, thank you, Suzanne. And I'm sorry about the silly song. And uh, I'm glad that you found us, and thank you so much for all the kind word. Ellen writes in regarding Suzanne R's interview. Oh, Suzanne, oh, won't you? Cause I come from Alabama with banjo in and money. All right, so what? Okay, so this is a completely different Suzanne. Ellen is writing in regarding Suzanne, who did an interview. T- interview on sober speak called out of a cult into Alcoholics Anonymous. And Ellen says, hello, John. I wonder if this is the same Ellen who has that TV show, you know, the one who does all the, uh, you know, like uh, uh, during the daytime, all the interviews and stuff like that. I really like her. She's a funny comedian. Uh, I can't remember her last name right now, but uh, hopefully you'll know who I'm talking about. If you're outside of the United States here, you'll be going, what is he talking about? Anyway, Hello, John. My name is Ellen, and I am an alcoholic. I actually stumbled upon the podcast today, and I'm so grateful I did. I was having a bad day today. I just picked up my six-month chip last Sunday. Well, congratulations, Ellen. The craving has gone away, but the character defect is stubborn as hell. (laughs) Hey, I... I can relate to that. And I would bet you the vast majority of people out there listening to this could as well. Anyway, she says, I was down today and actually thought about drinking, but I didn't. And listening to the podcast helped. I was a Jehovah's witness as Suzanne was. I wasn't born into it, but became one when I was 23 years old and raised my three kids in it. Fast forward, I am no longer a witness. I'm 56 56 years old now. About eight years ago, while while I was still a witness and hanging on to what was left of my marriage, I knew I had a drinking problem. I decided one day, after a really big fight with the ex that I needed to get help. So I went to AA myself. I felt like I was doing something wrong by going to AA, but I just needed help. I felt embarrassed, ashamed, you name it. So at that time, I could not find a sponsor because for some reason, the woman wouldn't sponsor me. It was weird. I went to meetings, but never really worked the program. The God thing was very, in big capital words, uh, big capital letters, difficult to get past. It didn't work because I felt overwhelmed with guilt for being there and not trusting in Jehovah and the organization to get me out of my alcoholism. I hung in there sober for one year and three months. I went back out after that because nothing mattered anymore. I couldn't get it right. Not my relationship with God and not my sobriety and fitting in. I didn't fit in anywhere. My marriage finally fell to smashing pieces. My ex just disappeared one day. Never said goodbye. Just left me to fend for myself. All while I was laid off and could not find a job. It was bad. I thought I was going to die of a broken heart, but I drank more. What brought me back? Back six months ago, for the first time, is that I drove drunk about 28 miles, and I think I fell asleep because when I came to, I was on the top of a pole, totaled my new car sat in jail. It was horrible. Forced me to move in with my son. The story goes on, but I knew I had to get back to AA. I truly hit rock bottom. At first, I struggled with the God God concept once again. I got a sponsor who was very nice. She said, okay, write a list of all the God, write a list of the God you know, and another God of the list you'd like to have in your life. So I did that. The next time we met, she says, You have your list. Yep, she said, Which list do you like? I said, The one where the I, I'm so sorry. I said, This one, the one who loves me despite my flaws and alcoholism, etc. So she said, Okay, good. Let's go with that one. Laugh out loud. A light bulb went off in my head, and I thought, Yeah, it's that simple. So here you have it. I'm sober six months now, and I do pray. Not enough, but I do pray. You really have no idea how hard it is for Jehovah's Witnesses to stay in the program. And yes, it's a cult! Exclamation point. I had many friends, and I just can't because I decided to question things and stop going, so I lost them all. It's really sad. I can relate to Suzanne's story so much. Five exclamation points. I have not met another witness yet who has been successful in AA, so I'd love to talk to her one day. Undoing brainwashing is not easy. Anyway, thank you for your podcast. It helped me so much today. Sincerely, Ellen. Oh, God bless you, Ellen. Well, I got them, them two in touch, Ellen and Suzanne, and uh, kind of got out of the middle, and uh, I'm just so glad that you found somebody that you could relate to. All right, one more thing, and then I'm going to close it out, and that is there's somebody out there named Victoria H. who has written in to me. And, uh, Victoria, you've emailed me and now your email is coming back undeliverable. You wanted to join the secret Facebook group and a couple other things. And, uh, so if you're out there and you still want to do that, just, uh, email me. I'm sorry that it's coming back undeliverable for whatever reason. I just replied to your email actually. So adios folks, God bless. And we shall see you most likely next week. I'm on one week at a time.